It is 11.05. Time for the Dr. Payne Show. Lines already open. Man, we're quick. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on your cell. I don't yeah, know what I, we're talking about. I don't know. Let's yeah, talk I about I said I don't, uh, do, I don't do the, the show prep. From the, as Jody said, the school of Greg. Still hanging around. He, he doesn't think. You want to talk about medical marijuana or just marijuana in general? Come on. Let's go. Don't. Bogart. So I'll give you, I'll give you my my opinion first. Okay. So I think I absolutely think it should be legalized. I think there's nothing wrong with it. Right. I think there's a danger in how much it's being publicized yeah. that that people who like you said have addictive personalities will develop an addiction and and I think there's a little there's not enough attention being paid to that it is still a substance that when take, I've heard people call in, like as I was listening through the week, you have people call in, say, I smoke six or seven times a day, and then, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's like, well, you're addicted if you're smoking six or seven times mm-hmm. a day. Like, there, if you said I was having six or seven drinks a day, there's an addiction issue. And I think that's a dangerous thing, is the addiction of anything is bad. You see, but here is the, I think that there is also a misconception, because uh, if, if the government or anyone that doesn't smoke marijuana has the delusion that uh, people that wanted to smoke it haven't smoked it or yes. have a way to get it, then you're crazy. I yeah, think if you're absolutely. doing it, you're already doing yeah, it. 100%. You, you see, 100%. with me, I, I literally just started to try this out about six months ago. And that I, I don't smoke, I don't really drink, so mm-hmm. I don't use any drugs Anything. at all. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the whole idea of, because I, I, you know, I work out really hard and yeah. I have uh, joint pains and that sort of thing. And a lot of the guys in my jiu-jitsu school will use it afterwards from from a cbd standpoint a pain reduction uh, situation so i started to try it and i thought man this this really helps yeah i discussed it with my children uh it's not this is not a secret you know we have one of the largest platforms in the country here and i can tell you that i i am enjoying it i think it's a good thing it's a natural medicine standpoint you are a high functioning individual though and there's a difference where it's as dangerous, I think, and and I think you're right. There absolutely is a medicinal component to it. In fact, I recommend it to a lot of people that mm-hmm. need it from a medicinal uh, component. But, yeah. you know, I mean, you, I've, I've also spoken to people who say that they drink a bottle of whiskey every night because that's what helps them with their depression. Yeah, but I mean, alcohol is poisonous. <laughs> Well, you know, you can't give alcohol we, to a dog or a plant. You'll kill it. You can't give marijuana to a dog. It'll, it'll likely they don't, kill They don't know how to suck air in. Come on, man. <laughs> I just saw a post <laughs> from a friend of mine that someone who, a dog that ate the, the roach at the end of a, of a joint, and they got very, very sick and got THC poisoning. Really? So I, think, so I think there's still, I mean, put it this way, there's a whole division of McMaster's Medical School uh, dedicated to potentially the psych, psychological long-term effects of marijuana, things like schizophrenia, and when they're when it's used in excess, like and I and I agree with you with what you're doing, but you you are not the 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 average person. You're a high functioning individual who can probably control himself. And I mean, if I, likely if you drank, you wouldn't be an alcoholic. And so uh, I think it's an important thing that. I just think that the conversation around it is making people, and you're right, if you haven't done it, you're not just going to go out and do it all no, of a man. sudden. <laughs> but there does need to be an understanding where we're talking, even on the medicinal side of things, and I, this is where my expertise lies, is on the healthcare side of things. A lot of the claims that are being made aren't really substantiated either in evidence, they, right? They aren't. I mean, a lot of it is, is an anecdotal experience. Yes, it's case studies. Yeah, it's, but the reality is that uh, you know, weed has been the white elephant in the room for the last 20 years. If 
if somebody wanted to get weed, they can get weed. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm not, and I agree. I've started by saying I think it should be legalized. I have zero issue with it. The only thing from my perspective with the platform that we have here is I still want to make people understand that anything done to an excessive amount is potentially dangerous, and and marijuana is no different. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the uh, for me the bigger issue, believe it or not, is uh, the uses of this at work. Yes, absolutely. And uh, uh, we we have a meeting from HR coming down uh, to our store next week. Mm-hmm. Um, now, without having read all the policies and procedures, because we will have a general assembly meeting at the dealership, uh, I personally I think it should be treated like alcohol. Yes. You're, you're not supposed to have it at work. You're not supposed to you know, lunch, do it at work yeah. at lunch. You no. know, whatever you do in your spare time is is, is your business. Yeah, and I, and I. I I mean, I'm part of a lot of it, committees around the GTA, whether like Humber College, uh, the chiropractic college, these things. And I and I've said that even with us, when we from a from a health care professional standpoint, if we see someone who is impaired, whether you're impaired on alcohol or excessive amount of opiates, you remove what's called informed consent. So you need to understand what I'm doing to you. Yeah. And so now the conversation becomes well, what happens. And, and we were having this conversation over the last two weeks. And my stance still is firm that. It's based on impairment, right? Because I, I'm not necessarily not going to treat somebody because they didn't have because they had a beer at lunch. Yeah, for but example. you know, it, because this has been prescribed as medicine, not in, always, in, not always, yeah. but sometimes, sometimes, yes. So you you can't penalize somebody that is high at work when they have an actual prescription for them to have it while they're working. Right, and I agree with that, but that doesn't eliminate impairment. If they were prescribed opiates and they couldn't even stand, you wouldn't let them work because it's a danger. Yeah, but I mean, I, it's a little bit different with uh, with marijuana than it is with alcohol because I know some people that are extremely high-functioning potheads. They are so yes. high, but you can't even tell. But that's why, exactly, but that's why impairment is a, is an individual basis. You can't you can't define impairment for everyone as, as the same thing, right? Like some people can take, you know, two or three Tylenol 3s and they can, you same thing, they're high-functioning. So it very much depends on, on subjectively and, and taking your professional experience to say this person right now is impaired and that's what we do clinically if we see somebody and you know they can handle a drink after when they're coming in for treatment or assessment or whatever and they had a drink at lunch that we're not going to not assess them or treat them but if you know they're stumbling everywhere and they can't provide that informed consent and and, and they're a danger potentially to themselves then i think that's where you draw the line i think that you just to close it and leave you alone uh <laughs> the the number one thing for everyone on anything really that involves something that could potentially impair you is just be prudent yes be you modern. know yeah you know if Absolutely, you are yeah. a mature responsible human yes. you will never get yourself into trouble because 100%. you know where the trouble is i totally agree thank you thanks greg phone calls 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Bring them on, Dr. Payne Show. A good start to the show this morning right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's 11.15, lots of time for you to call in, ask your questions. Do you suffer from pain? Need some advice? Some comments? 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. I think eventually all this talk and media attention and radio shows about uh, weed is going to go away. Yeah, absolutely. And and my thing is not to talk about this at length or at nauseum. It's just simply to highlight the fact that, you know, from a healthcare perspective, that there still is an addiction component to anything. Like, like, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, marijuana is more addictive than alcohol or something else. Like, mm-hmm. it, that's not my point here. My point is simply just 
you know, be careful with what you're doing. Like, be prudent about what you're doing. Uh, make sure that you're thinking about your health, too. It's very, very important that you consider, you know, that everything in excess has negative health effects. Sure. And so that that's my point. I have no problem with people doing it, with, you know, the legalization of it. I, I actually think it's great. It's the right thing to be doing, um, uh, you know, and, and it's no more dangerous than any of the other things that are already legal, which is why I agree. So why not have it be legal? But you're absolutely right. We're, you know, it's just all going to die down and nobody's really going to care. There's, you know, uh, and it is what it is. So I guess, you know, we can change the topic too, John. I just think a lot of people are shrugging off and going, it's no big deal because it's something unlike alcohol where it's, you know, it, it's at the LCBO, it's got a label, you know, it's it's that whole premise and that whole the way to get a hold of it is different than weed, where it's natural. People use that; it's natural. I right. can grow up in my backyard. I can farm yeah. my own. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's it, it's it's seen as this farm to table, you know, baby yeah. spinach. But it's not, like you <laughs> yeah. said, it, yeah, there's, there's an addictive the, component. Yeah, to it. and when there's, it still is psychoactive, right? right. Like it does still change yep. something about you. Now, some people will be able to handle more. Some people will be able to handle less. And so, it's not just oregano or something that you can ingest, and it does nothing right. to change anything about you. This is still something that you know there has to be a conversation around impairment of a, of a substance and just because alcohol is legal doesn't mean that a lot of it is good for you right, right. and that's the, what i'm saying like and there's still people out there that have an addictive issue that are are alcoholics and that's ruined their lives mm-hmm. uh and and these people that come through that and are able to manage it the proper way will tell you that 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 substance has ruined their lives so not it's not just all you know good things there are bad things to to any type of substance like marijuana so my my simple message is this. Again, I have no issue with anything. Uh, it's just about being moderate with it, understanding your personality. That's a big thing too, right? Like people who have naturally addictive personalities, you got to be careful because again, anything that you're going to do uh, too much of is might create sure. a problem. But you know, I agree. It'll it'll just die down, and the conversation will be done. I mean, nothing nothing changed on Wednesday for any you, I, right, exactly. whomever. But yeah. um, you know. Let's move on to uh, what do you want to talk about, John? You what happened do, this week you, at the clinic? You should do the the show prep yeah, for no, me. That, no, that, that'll be okay. Uh, what that. happened at the clinic today? So you know, I mean, we we see a lot of the knee complaints because of the knee pain or knee clinic initiative that we run, uh, where we can get you in quickly. But I mean, you know, I I don't think I've seen more knees than I have, for example, shoulders. Okay. Uh, um, and so, you know, these are injuries that people have all the time. Sometimes they're chronic injuries. Sometimes they're acute injuries. Why? Um, why what? So much knee and so much shoulder, do you think? Because we're human. That's pain is, pain oftentimes is, is called the sixth vital sign, right? Because mm-hmm. in order to be alive, you sort of have to be able to experience pain. And so, um, you know, why is there so much knee and shoulder issues? I think because, again, it's related to everything that we do. Like, that's the same question as why is there so much spine-related issues? It It is what it is because this is, the, it's the world we live in. It's the things we do, um, the repetitive nature of everyone's job, right? And like, I guess the nature of the joint too, right? The nature of the joint, yes. Some joints are predisposed to certain types of injuries versus others are predisposed to other types of injuries. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think there's, I think Again, we we talked about this last week with um, back pain and how prevalent it is. I think most people know somebody who's dealt with some type of peripheral joint pain, whether it's a knee or an ankle or a hip or your shoulder. And and 
you know, and if it, if it's not somebody that you know, it's been yourself. Everyone's hurt themselves somehow, whether it's through some type of specific activity. Right. Again, the repetitive nature, I think, of jobs or the things we do in life. And repetitive doesn't mean you have to be doing a motion in order for it to be repetitive. Sitting is repetitive. You're doing the same thing. Anything right. that you're doing for a long period of time is, is going to affect uh, your body. And, and certain people will be more predisposed to a certain issue just based on their morphology, their certain body types. Uh, genetics matter a lot too. You know, like the things that your parents suffered from in terms of pain are likely the things you will suffer from as well because, it, you know, genetics is a very, very important thing. Um, and, you know, but one thing that seems to be consistent no matter what the joint sort of is, is, is and, and we're talking about the, the musculoskeletal injuries, the soft tissue injuries, you always have to rehab it properly. And I, and that's like, it's the biggest thing that I see missing um, in the plans, right? Like I see tons of people come in and they've tried the medications. They've tried the passive therapies. Uh, they've tried uh, topical creams, whatever, like everything. And then it's like, well, have you tried good exercise rehabilitation? And the answer is often either no, or if they say, yes, my next question, and this is something you're yep. still doing. And it's like, well, no, I did it for like, a few weeks, it was shown to me, I did it, you know, here and there, and it didn't really help. It's like, well, of course, it's not going to help. If you don't do it consistently, um, it's not going to change. So more on that when we get back from the break. Talk about knee joints. See, we're still talking about joints. They might be knees, <laughs> but we're talking about it anyway. And uh, your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Plenty of time. you got questions, comments, bring them on. Dr. Payne is here till 12 o'clock. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 11.24, Saturday morning. Lines are wide open for you. Have uh, pain concerns, health concerns, uh, need an opinion or a, a question answered? 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You talk about, uh, you know, the one missing link often with people, especially with getting better, getting rid of the pain, or at least not getting rid of, sorry, managing the pain. Yeah. Is uh, consistent active therapy. My sister-in-law, who uh, came to see you a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, you did exactly that. Do this, this, this. Here's your exercise. And do it digitally. Do it three times a day. And off you go. Yeah. pain is 90% better. Yeah. And I mean, again, as long as she's okay with us talking about it, which I'll, she'll Go blame ahead. you if she's not. Um you know, the thing that I saw, she did she did do the passive therapies. Like, she did the right thing. She got the meds in the beginning. Little haphazard in the use. Same thing. She tried to go for the, the therapy, which I do recommend in the beginning. Like, it, it is very important. It is part of, of the treatment plan. But I guess she was a little haphazard with those things, yep. in all honesty. Um, and, and I basically said to her, like, you know, my biggest thing was when I, when I saw her a few weeks after the show was, when I look at back pain, again, what I'm looking for is this 90% of back pain cases, which is what we would term the nonspecific mechanical back pain, which is just simply related to muscles, joints, or are we dealing with the 10% of back cases where we potentially have something more serious going on, a disc herniation, spinal stenosis, or then like really rare things like tumors, things like that. I was I was confident after I saw her that no, we're dealing with the 90% here. Right. And it's pretty easy. That 90% after about six weeks, your best hope at managing it is exercises. And and she wasn't really doing any, or, or I guess she had been maybe shown some, but wasn't being consistent kind of with it. Slacking on them. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty good at being honest with people. And I think most most of the patients that have come to see me will say that, yeah, he told me the way it was. Like, And I'll, I'll often say, like, I'm about to tell you some stuff. None of it is meant to offend you. None of it is 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 meant to criticize you. I'm just going to give you the right answer here, or at least what we know thus far in our research around 
pain management to be the most right answer. And I told your sister-in-law, I was like, you got to be doing these exercises. And this isn't something that you do today and then maybe do it in three days from now. It's like I always try to relate this stuff back to medication because I guess people just understand that better. If you have an infection, if you're diagnosed with pneumonia and the doctor says, here's penicillin, I want you to take it two times a day for the next 14 days. If you take a penicillin today and then one in three days from now. Nothing's and, happening. Yeah, you're, you're going to continue to have pneumonia. Like yeah. it's, it's pretty, yeah, exactly. It's pretty simple, right? So there's no difference with what you experience uh, from a pain perspective. It's just that the right intervention is not a pill. It's an exercise. Mm -hmm. Exercise is medicine. Like I, I need to stress that yes. that that exercise is medicine. It does medicine or, or or a solution doesn't need to come in a pill format in order to be the right one. And exercise is the medicine that physical problems require. Yeah. And so if you don't do that stuff, you're likely to get stuck. And and that's a great example that someone who starts doing and and I mean if we talk to her, these are not complicated things. This is not like you need this massive facility to be able to do it. No, this is all things that you can do in your house. And in all honesty, in the beginning, you don't need any special equipment. There's nothing. And if you ever do get to the point where you need equipment, you're talking about what? TheraBands, like elastic bands, a ball, like stuff that everybody can get very inexpensive, but you need to do it. And I always have a portion of my recommendation is exercise based. I saw, I saw a gentleman this week um, who had been having a lot of um, like spine related pain mm -hmm. and, and these things. And, and, older gentleman and you know we went through and he had tried everything i mean everything I, I i can't even stress how much how many things he did he had a list for me of all the things that he did and all of it was the passive stuff like what can someone else do to me to try to make me better and i was like you listen like 50% and I always talk to people about, you know, when you're dealing with something, you've got 50%, which is now ingrained in your psychology, which is a totally different topic. But the 50% here where what can you do from a physical perspective, that answer when you've been dealing with something for two or three years, the answer needs to be exercise. And the research is clear. And when I say exercise, a lot of people think, well, I'll go out and do my own. No, 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 no. Yeah. You still need the professionals. Believe me, the research is clear on this. If it's not guided and graded with a professional, people often fail and don't do the right things because they may do something that they don't understand the full anatomy of what's going on. And they may do something that's wrong for what their their specific issue is and they hurt themselves worse. Um, so you and, and it needs to be graded. We've, we've talked about this. Your body adapts to everything. And, and the simple example is if you're in, on a weight loss journey and you're starting with walking 30 minutes a day, you're probably going to do that for the first three weeks. And you're going to say, yeah, wow, this is working. Like mm -hmm. I've lost a few pounds. It's good. I feel better. Yeah. And then if you keep doing that exact same uh, dosage of exercise, five, six weeks later, you're going to say, you know what? I've plateaued. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not getting any more results. It's like, well, yeah, your body adapts. And so you consistently need to be... Um, changing it so that your body prevents or you prevent your body from adapting. And that's how you have continual achievement of results. And that's what the guided rehabilitation is. And it's also important because, I mean, the rehab that we would give for someone's low back, if you're 85, it's right. probably different than if you're 35. Right. Makes right? sense. You know, we're, yeah. we're going to have to do, we're going to have to work within limitations as well.
We'll take a short break. You want to call? You got a uh, question, opinion? We've got lots of time. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1133, Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Info at paincarecanada.com uh, to reach out and to uh, get a hold of the good doctor anytime. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Everyone's always surprised because, I mean, my name is Luigi Nally, right? So most people, when they come to see me being on the radio and Dr. Lou, most people are like, I thought you'd be Asian. And I was like, I'm sorry to disappoint you. (laughs) Or people are like, I thought you'd be older, thought you'd be taller. Uh, thinner, Wish I all of these things. Taller. I'm like, come on. Like, Thinner's I nice. never get a compliment. Yeah. So when you come see me, at least give me a compliment, please. Yep. But yeah. This therapy, uh, you talk about active therapy and how it's tailor-made for everybody. I mean, there's someone who's going to come in, like my sister-in-law, who's petite and very light. And mm-hmm. then we'll have the gentleman that called in, Greg, who's five foot eight and 400 pounds. You're going to affect, you're going to treat them very differently. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the exercise does need to be different in that instance, yep. right? You also have to take into consideration what people's other, uh, I'll use your favorite word, comorbidities are. Mm-hmm. What other things do they have going on, right? Because um, you have to be able to tailor it so that it's not affecting those things. And, and here's the dangerous thing too, right? So I'll give you like a very, very simple example. Let's take back pain, right? People often assume like, okay, if we say back pain and we say back pain that has a sciatic presentation, so there's pain shooting down the back of your leg, most people assume, oh, that, well, that's, that's a disc herniation. That's some type of disc issue. Right. And so the exercise for that is often extension-based exercises. And the problem is, is not all back pain with sciatic presentation is a disc herniation. And I'm going to simplify it even further. And the, the opposite of that is something like stenosis, where the exercise would actually be flexion-based. So it's a very dangerous thing when you just assume that all back pain is the same. And, and I'm only using two examples to really highlight uh, a big stark difference between flexion-based exercise and extension-based exercise. And so this, you know, the classic example is like, you know, my, my mom has um, leg pain and she, she brings her knee to her chest and it helps her feel better. And then it's like you've developed leg pain and you start doing that, but you really have a disc herniation and then you wonder why you're getting worse. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a bunch of people, in fact, maybe even your sister-in-law, the person that she had saw, I can't remember, but I think I said, like, I want you to eliminate those exercises. I see people as well that are on exercises and they're doing it. And it's like, you're doing the wrong exercise. You're, you're in fact, making yourself worse, right? Like, you can only really consider it exercise if it's helping you. Otherwise, it's just a movement that's, that's worsening. And it's very dangerous. A lot of movements can make certain pathologies worse. Like, if you have a disc herniation and you keep doing flexion-based stuff, you're likely making, not only are you not helping yourself, you're likely making it worse. worse, And and same thing with stenosis. If you do extension-based work and you have stenosis, you're likely making yourself worse. And a lot of times, it's just that simple modification that I see when I see a person that it's like, you know, it seems like you're doing everything right. You're good. You're on, you're doing these, you know, uh, your proper dose and frequency, like you're following those things. It just happens to be the wrong exercise. And, you know, and the problem with that is, and they've seen a professional, but again, I've said it's a dangerous thing. Like there's, we often in health have a saying that what is common is common. And it's a dangerous thing though, to assume that it's always the common thing, right? So if you have back pain and it's like, well, disc herniations are the most common thing to assume that all back pain yep. are a result of disc herniations. And so if a professional's doing that, that's a problem. You have to make sure that 
you know, you're not dealing with something else. Although it may, the presentation may seem that way, you have to do the right things to diagnose it. And it's also incredible how many people come in and will say they went to go see somebody and then they were diagnosed with this and told to do this. It's like, well, were you even given a physical exam? It's like, no, I just talked to the person. It's wow. like, come mm-hmm. on. Like, you have to be able to uh, use your physical exam to rule in and rule out the things you're thinking. And honestly, when it comes to the musculoskeletal issues, everybody's like looking for an MRI or an X-ray. And I mean, we've had surgeons here, knee surgeons, who have said, "Yeah, the MRI doesn't really give us the no. that that the information that we really need. It really comes down to a good physical exam." And this is coming from a surgeon. That that is very very important. I had a person this week who um, came in with. They essentially tore their bicep, right? And and we were able to see that very, very easily clinically. Um, we still got them an MRI because they have to go to surgery, uh, but we're not using the MRI to diagnose it. We know it's torn. Like, we we can see that. We can clinically test it. We're, we're doing it because when the surgeon goes in, they want to know exactly what they're going into. Yeah. And, that, and that's an important thing. So, you know, this reliance, I hear a lot of people come in, they have whatever issue it might be, and it's like, you know, they've had it for three months. Well, what are you doing? Nothing. Well, why not? Well, I'm waiting for an MRI. Why? Why are you waiting for that? It just means whoever is managing you is not managing it the appropriate way because a good physical exam from someone who understands these things is is likely better than an MRI or some special imaging. Not that that's not important, but why are you waiting? What what does waiting do besides create chronicity? Well, I think when it comes to MRIs, people feel it's just this amazing technology that I've had to wait three months for, so it's the be-all to end-all to my diagnosis. Right. And it's not. It's no. not the be-all, end-all to your diagnosis. A lot of these things, we're often using these special tests because we're like 96, 97% certain, and we just want to eliminate the potential that it's not something else. Now, there are some yeah. things where MRIs are diagnostic, right, where it is important to get it. So, I mean, but not not like if we're dealing with something like numbness and tingling or some weird neurological presentation, and it's like, well, maybe this person has MS, and you're getting an MRI to look for demyelinating lesions, which are these things that show up on MRIs. Well, that's important. Important. Obviously, sure. you'd want to wait, and 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 that you need that that in order to diagnose. But I'm I'm specifically speaking about you know like the shoulder strains, the the pains in the back and and the legs and the feet. Like you don't oftentimes need these special tests, and 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 your and the reliance on them is probably hindering a lot of prognosis because the longer you wait to intervene, the bigger the problem gets and the harder it is to fix. And that's again. When you're dealing with after about the three to six months period, the research isn't absolutely clear on when you can define something as chronic, but definitely after the six month mark. Some people, some some literature will argue after the three month mark, but when you're dealing in that that realm, once it becomes chronic, remember you're dealing with another problem, which is the 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 neural pathway of pain, the ingraining of a pathway, right? Like the same way that you were able to learn to write one day, ride a bike, walk, and you're not, and you're not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You're learning pain every time you're not doing something about it. Absolutely. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Uh, Lines are quiet. If you have any questions, you're confused by uh, any of this. Call us. You got some time. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah, pain concerns, health concerns, star 640 works just as well. And uh, we'll get to it. Mike, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, pal. What's up with you? Well, at some point around Christmas time last year, I injured myself in multiple ways, uh, training uh, both shoulders and somewhere along my lower back. Now, 
I, I didn't have at that time, and I still don't. I don't have lower back pain. What I have is a, is a pain that shoots down out of my, my left leg. Yep. And periodically numbs my leg, depending on how I'm standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it hurts to stand, right? So, yep. so uh, sitting down, I got no pain at all. Right. Uh, even for hours, I can fly and drive and no problem. Um, and I, I went to Buffalo with some MRIs. It did the whole, you know, panic and rush thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my results essentially had a slight tear in my left and a slight tear in my right rotator cuff, uh, which both is over the course of the last year have seemed to heal. Uh, and I did some physio. Now, the pain in my leg hasn't gone away. Right. Um, and, the, you know, it seems like it's getting even longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, hurts more anyway. Yep. So I, I really don't know if the exercises I was given are working correctly. And I heard you talking about I may be doing the wrong exercise, which prompted me to call you. Yeah, so, well, here's the thing that matters first and foremost. Remember, I said the exercise, so when we deal with, like, call it the low back issues, right? 90% of cases are that nonspecific mechanical pain, which is just muscle joint deconditioning type of stuff, and the exercise becomes the solution long-term for those things. There are 10% of cases where, of low back pain cases, where you're dealing with a specific problem. So say something like a disc herniation, that may not resolve just based on exercise. There might be, need to be other things that need to be done after the chronic point has been set in. So, I mean, if you've got leg pain, uh, then we need to start considering, well, what's putting pressure on that nerve, right? right? And if it is a disc herniation, then the question becomes, is this a disc herniation that will get better with minimal invasive procedures or, or non-invasive procedures like therapy? Or will it potentially get better with a minimal invasive procedure? Or do you need surgery potentially? Um, and, and that matters very much. Sorry. It is a herniation that's based on the MRI results. Yeah. And, and that's fine that it's on MRI. What I would need to make sure though, is that it correlates with your symptoms. So a lot of people have disc herniations on an MRI that are not symptomatic or not what is causing their pain in some cases. Um, yes, it is absolutely the cause. And then that matters because it matters. Where's the disc herniation? What are the types of exercises or therapies that you've been doing? Are they the right things? Could you be doing different things? So, I mean, I think you already sort of know, uh, because you, you started off by saying, I think you need to get this assessed, um, properly and start kind of from the beginning and say, okay, well, does the image correlate with what you feel symptomatically? If it is, what are the best answers for that? I mean, I am always someone who tries to go for the most non-invasive procedures, but there are some cases of people that I see where I say, you're going to need surgery if you want, you know, to, to be better. Now I'm not suggesting that with you because I don't know. I'm just giving you the way I approach these things. Uh, And, and the answer is not always just exercise. Sometimes the answer does become other things, injections, surgeries, medications, therapies, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so, you know, with you, you have, you have a set of symptoms and signs. We need to correlate that with the imaging. We need to assess where you're at, what you've done, um, what the, the deficit is or the, the functional limitations are, and then treat that. Uh, and, and one quick question. Um, uh, weight gain, if you, if you go from a certain weight, and, and you, I mean, I injured my shoulder, so I gained some weight while I was trying to recover, and that's where the onset of the pain started for my lower back, Yeah, which prompted me to go get my MRI. And uh, they're saying that obviously that bulging disc because of my weight gain, uh, that injury may have been there from years ago, but because of the weight gain now, it's pinching on a nerve. Does that make sense? Mm. How much weight? 40 pounds. I mean, that's not insignificant. There's not a lot of great, uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say because I'd have to look at you and assess you. Like, 
it might be the deconditioning more than the weight gain, and usually those two things go hand in hand. Mm. Uh, but I, I don't know, like, you know, how big were you before? Like, what's kind of your body type? Well, you know, five eleven. I was uh, I was a big, heavy guy, and then I, I lost a lot of weight training. Yep. I dropped it down, so I was two eighty down to two hundred of yep. muscle. Okay. Um, you know, I went from twenty thirty eight percent body fat to uh, sixteen okay. over four years. Yeah. Um, so I trained properly. I did it right. I didn't all diet and proper yep. training. So, um, you know, then when you get to that certain weight, most people they sort of you know like we all do, we were comfortable with our weight. We just yeah, start of course. Yeah, I mean, it might it might have contributed a little. It probably probably didn't help. But is it the absolute root cause? I don't know. I, I would be it would be very very hard to say, and probably not likely. But it probably did have a contributing factor for sure. I should come see you then, shouldn't I? Yes, yes you sir. should. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U or info at paincarecanada.com to move on. And do exactly that. We'll get to more of your phone calls. Joe, I see you there. Hang on, brother. We'll get to you here in the next uh, few minutes. Dr. Pancho, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 11.52. A couple minutes to go here. We will move onward. Joe, thanks for uh, hanging in, fella. How are you? Good, good. Go What's... ahead. I have one question for the doctor. Yes, sir. I'm 79, 140 pounds, physically fit. Okay. Uh, I was doing curling uh, with a barbell. We mm-hmm. mean both hands are using but what I found uh, for some time now, but about a month ago, the right right bicep. Mm-hmm. I can no longer do uh, curling because the right bicep is hurting, so I gave up that. Yep. I went to the doctor. He said he checked for inflammation via blood test. There's no inflammation. The question is what's going on? Well, that's a very hard question. So, I mean, all we know right now is there's no inflammation. That doesn't mean there can't be, you know, another dozen things potentially going on. So... I just think, it, you know, based on what you're saying right now, I don't think it was a full proper assessment because they've, they've assessed one aspect that might cause pain, uh, but they haven't assessed all of the things that could potentially cause pain in the bicep. All right. So, so I suggest we make an appointment with you. Sure. Me or anybody that understands this stuff. But I think that is the most important thing is you can't, you know, once you've ruled out one thing, that's great. We now know it's not that one thing, but what are all of the things that can cause that presentation and how do we rule the majority out where we're left with one or two that are the likely, uh, the likely diagnosis. So yeah, you got to get diagnosed properly. That's, that's the most important thing. Okay, Doc. Okay. I'll make an appointment with you and see you. Okay, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. Uh, 1-855-55-DR-L-O-U D-R-L-O-U is the number. Hey, Gord. How are you? Uh, yes, hi. Good morning. Uh, morning. Morning. Um, a, a question. Uh, I'm, I'm reading uh, the result of my uh, abdominal ultrasound. I, I go to my family doctor once a year for a physical, mm-hmm. uh, for blood work, and one of the things includes an abdominal ultrasound. Okay. It says that there's a problem with my liver. It, uh, the term used says here, uh, moderate fatty infiltration yep and okay. so and so the uh the family doctor says that there are no pills to make this go away and he's, no. he's afraid of in the future potentially of uh, uh the next stage could be uh fibrosis of the liver and then cirrhosis and then i probably could die from how old are you uh 55 yeah i mean i know some people in their 30s that have a fatty liver now i'm not suggesting that that's good at any age or at any age but i mean yeah, I mean, a fatty liver is once the function of the liver starts to be diminished. You know, what 
you have to understand what the liver does. It's essentially a filter for your body. So if you're doing a lot of things, like do you drink alcohol? Uh, I'm teetotal. I, I don't drink at all. You don't drink at all. Okay, so that's good. Do you take a lot of medications? Uh, no medications at all. Okay, and then what's your diet like otherwise? A lot of fatty foods or not necessarily? Uh, probably a lot of starchy foods. Okay, well, that might be something to maybe try and change. Like, I mean, usually the biggest things with the fatty liver are, um, you know, the medications and the um, and the alcohols are not going to help that type of stuff. But then, I mean, if all you're really doing, it sounds like you're incredibly healthy. Maybe it's just a food matter. I would say try more of the fruits and the vegetables, like the real foods versus the starchy foods. Um, and that may help. Again, nothing is going to eliminate what's already there, but I think you've already nailed it on the head. Your goal should be to pre- to prevent fibrosis and then eventually cirrhosis of the liver. Um, and so I think you just may, might need to clean up your diet in order to, at the very least, slow down this progression. Sure. I was going to say, uh, too, that uh, perhaps as, as long as I keep uh, doing this test every year, as long as this thing you know, shows stability, I, I, might, mm. I, I, might, I might be okay for a while. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know your history, but again, I, I have actually a couple of close friends that have fatty pancreases and fatty livers. Now, again, I, I tell them that they got to look after themselves and that's what I'm telling you. And a lot of times this stuff, if it's not due to, you know, other external things like the alcohol or the excessive medications or drugs or anything like that, then the question usually just becomes lifestyle. Um, and so, you know, your lifestyle is what your current lifestyle is. So change it around a bit and see if that helps. And I mean, when usually when it comes to detoxing and that's, I'll use that term loosely, uh, but fruits and vegetables are, are going to be the most important thing. So that might be an important thing for you to do is just focus your diet more on those things versus the starchy foods and see if that helps to keep it stable. Sounds pretty good. I okay. really appreciate your help. No problem, Gord. Thank you. Thanks, Gord. And again, uh, moving forward, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, and info at paincarecanada.com. Diet's a big issue. Diet's part of it, right? Lifestyle. Yep. Lifestyle is a big issue, yes. Um, you know, and even for Gord, if you're still listening, another thing that I should have probably asked about is exercise, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, th- the, the research is pretty clear. Moderate physical activity three to four times a week is what is found to be best for health. Love it. That's it. And, and moderate physical activity at 55 can be achieved by a brisk walk, uh, doing gardening. Like the, this isn't something you don't need to be in a gym for six hours. Olympic weightlifting. Yeah, Olympic yeah. weightlifting to achieve this. This is, in fact, some research suggests that that stuff is actually bad towards your health. And it's very much that moderate physical activity three to four times a week for 30 minutes a day. Um, that is very, very important. And so that's another thing that should be included. But a lot of these things come down to lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And and the easy, and like not well, not the easiest, but two big components of lifestyle are diet and exercise. And again, it's not, this is not rocket science. Like a lot of people follow a lot of different diets and things like that. But in just, in general, moderate physical activity three to four times a week for 30 minutes and a diet mainly based on the real foods, fruits, vegetables, limiting the meat intake, limiting the carb intake. Now, a lot of people will swear by the keto diet and all Mm -hmm. those things or a vegetarian diet. Fine, whatever, whatever works for you. But um, in general, like when we look at the research, it's just about being moderate. And, And we know that the things like the fruits and the vegetables are really good for you and meat potentially isn't as good. So limiting that and then limiting the the complex carbs and sugars, the sugars yeah. is probably a good thing yeah. as well. So, I mean, in general, if you're looking to, to get a little bit healthier, that is what you should be doing. 
done until next weekend. Want to reach out to, to make an appointment and chat a little more? One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. And email, of course, always works. Info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, Doctor Pain Show, Global News Radio six forty Toronto.